All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today, as always, by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. And that's right. We are a mostly sports podcast trying to navigate a now sportsless world as coronavirus, COVID-19, all the fears around it have led to uh, the postponement or even cancellation of pretty much all of sports right now. So we'll we'll be talking about that, talking about some of the things that we'll have to uh, you know try to survive without. Uh, we do have one sport that's been going alive and well in the past few days. That is NFL free agency. Lots of big moves that have uh, been taking place over the past couple of days. We'll break down all of those, and uh, we'll finally be wrapping up today's episode by counting down our top five topics we can discuss on future episodes while sports aren't. A big thing right now, uh, but you know, before we get into that, let's kind of talk about coronavirus. So it all started really with the NBA, as Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus, and from there, the NBA suspended operations. And it was really within 24 hours, it felt like everything was was canceled or suspended at that point. Yeah, it was really surprising. Um, I mean, don't forget where that happened as well. Rudy Gobert brought the disease to um, my former uh, city of residence, Oklahoma City. That's right. uh, Is where that happened. So you can't really tell the story of the NBA without the Oklahoma City Thunder, a really big, important franchise within that organization. Um, Rightfully so. But... Yeah, I always, I was, I mean, just like anybody, I was blown away. I've, I, it's funny that we were talking about having the NFL season canceled if the CBA uh, couldn't go through. And I was talking about how great that would be and how it would be this amazing unifying experience. I didn't expect to have an opportunity to experience that so soon. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I never could have seen this coming. No, and you also said that it would be great to not have the NFL, but still have other sports to focus on. Now we don't have any That's sports. That's true. So. That's true. I mean, technically, the NFL is still going as scheduled. It is, but so. it, no, no games going on right now. Um, so I, I think one of the the big ones was March Madness being totally canceled. Uh, I know. Oh yeah, that that's tough right now. I mean, we should be getting ready for Prairie View A and M against North Carolina Central we right be now. Preparing our brackets right now and losing. Yeah, the first talking round about immediately. <laughs> This is the earliest our brackets have been busted. And uh, I've had numerous Final Four predictions flame out in the first round. So this, this is a rough one, uh, really a rough time. I think when, when and the NCAA said that they are going to play without fans, even that sounded kind of crazy. Um, conference tournaments started to do that. You had, I think, the, the Big East tipped off with uh, Creighton and St. For- John's playing a first half with no fans, and then just second half never yeah, happened. They, they played... And- it was they, all over. They after played that. for one half, and then not only that, the in the PGA, the Players Championship was going on with fans on Thursday, and then they announced that okay, for the rest of the tournament, we're gonna have we're gonna play this out, but then have no fans, and then all of a sudden, later that night after the first round, they just decided to cancel it altogether. Yeah, and that seems like what the the flow was for most of these, where the idea was, okay, we're still going to play them, we're still going to have them going, we're just not going to have fans, and then ultimately it was postponed, canceled. Um, even the NBA, the Warriors were set to play uh, in San Francisco without any fans. That's one of the, the more heavily hit 
cities uh, by the coronavirus, and that game didn't even tip off before the uh, the NBA cancellation with uh, the Rudy Gobert testing yeah, positive. Yeah, so. and uh, five days before that game, I went to the Celtics game uh, on the Friday night beforehand, and they played the Jazz, and I had, I don't want to say I had front row tickets, but I was close to the front row, so... You had really yeah. good seats. I saw yeah, the picture. Yeah, pretty good seats, and the fact that I—I I mean, I didn't—I didn't think, of course, I had coronavirus once the news came out. But just to think, uh, the fact that I was that close to someone that famous that ended up getting infected, and Donovan Mitchell later on—it's uh, pretty scary and wild to think about. Yeah, I mean, uh, even today they announced that four Nets had. Uh, tested positive so no wonder they had to cancel the season the nets themselves on the court all the players touch when they dunk they even can contract coronavirus so it's very troubling to hear just how uh contagious this thing is yeah even yeah Yeah, of those katie the fact that he's an injured player uh who's just what just sitting at home and even him he even got infected by this is well, he's he's been at the arena for a lot of the games, uh, so he's just been like on the bench. He's been with the team, but yeah, I mean, not even having to be on the court, like sweating all over these guys, and he's he's testing positive. Um, but I, I guess in terms of the Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell thing, so I it feels like Rudy Gobert has been getting a ton of hate, and I don't know how fair that is because I think the first thought is just because Rudy Gobert tested positive first doesn't mean he contracted it first. It's very possible that Donovan Mitchell, whose hometown actually had an outbreak, was the first one to get it. And I think that Gobert is kind of being made out a villain, but it's almost like he should maybe even be a hero because if he doesn't test positive, who knows what sports world are like right now and who knows how bad this virus is. I'm glad spreading. you brought this up because, in my opinion, if if you're Donovan Mitchell or anyone in the Jazz organization, I think you can be rightfully mad as as you want. And Donovan Mitchell even talked about how he had it took him time to cool off uh, for what Rudy Gobert did. And what he did was it was just a reckless, stupid mistake by touching all the microphones and just being careless about it. And but if you're just some Twitter troll that's hating on him, you gotta stop just because. I guarantee you there is a good majority of people and still are to this day that aren't taking the coronavirus uh, as seriously as they should. And another thing, I love what Rudy Gobert did days afterwards. He apologized. And not only that, he donated 500 grand to uh, help the people that are being affected by this, include not only Rudy Gobert, but also guys like Mark Cuban, Blake Griffin, um, Kevin Love, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I love what those guys are doing. Even Zion, and Zion Williamson, Williamson yes. and even some Bruins players uh, decided to do a GoFundMe page as well. One of my coworkers who doesn't pay attention to basketball, she was like, "I heard about this young basketball player in New Orleans who was paying a bunch of the employees at the stadium." And I was like, "Oh my gosh! Imagine finding out about Zion Williamson like that. Yeah, not from, not his, from his transcendent yeah. basketball, but from." But from his generosity to the employees at the Smoothie King Center, uh, I just thought that was pretty uh, interesting. But um, also, no, Rudy Gobert is a good example of just how how serious we have to take this coronavirus. It, it's he didn't even know he had it, and he was transmitting to everybody. 
it is definitely bad optics the way that he was being so uh you know cavalier with the, uh how he was taking it and and like rubbing all the microphones and be like oh coronavirus you know he looks like a moron now for sure okay but plenty of other people aren't acting like a moron they aren't being irreverent to coronavirus but still spreading it because they don't know which is why we're taking these drastic actions that people are having to, you know, social distance and all that. Because it is so easy to transmit. It's not like he was sitting there like, man, I'm really sick with coronavirus right now. Better go touch a bunch of microphones. He didn't know. No, and A lot it, of people don't know. No, and it, it's absolutely something that a lot of other people would have been doing. You hear about this going on and you're like, oh, this isn't going to affect us. Like, we don't need to be scared about this. And then you have this wake-up call. And I think that it's it's been huge because... At first, there were a lot of people who, you know, a lot of sports fans who were like, you can't cancel NBA over a flu. Like, that, that just doesn't make any sense. But as more and more stuff started to cancel and postpone and you started to realize just how bad this thing could get, you start to look at other countries, for examples. I, I think that that's really helped a lot of people understand just how powerful this thing could be when you have a, a household name like that recognizable people it's not even just athletes so you have tom hanks and rita wilson idris elba testing positive for this thing so i think that there's been enough examples out there that a lot of people are realizing just how real this is and you know anyone can come into contact with this and have no idea yeah, uh, He's Done It podcast has been ahead of the curve, though, on social distancing. We've been social distancing during recording ever since we were the Ben and Corey podcast. We've actually made it a point to always be remote when we're recording the podcast as a precaution for infectious diseases. And unlike Rudy Gobert, we can sleep at night knowing that we haven't transmitted, at least not while we were doing this Co podcast. Corey and I actually did a podcast one time like together in the same spot. So maybe not every single episode we've done that perfectly. And Ben is over here saying that while he's recording from the Affable Chat studio, which regularly has had guests in the past couple months since uh, this, this virus broke out. So, well, well, clearly we're not a team here as both of you guys turn on me while I'm <laughs> trying to build some credibility. But let me stress that I've never been with either of you for he's done it. And I said yes. he's done it has been ahead of the curve. Yes. Not any other projects I may be associated with or included in, okay? Trying to build up the name of He's Done It Here, one of the leading names in podcasts that endorse social distancing, okay? I can't stop you guys from breaking the rules, but I, my contribution has been nothing uh, if not endorsing social distancing. You're right, and I, I think that we will continue to do a great job with social distancing on our episodes in the future as uh we try to find other things to talk about, but it's crazy because right now um, everything else comes to a halt, but this continues. Like yep. streamers, OnlyFans, like entertainers, podcasters, YouTubers, the we are the ones who will survive this. Okay, other industries are disrupted heavily, which is tragic and definitely bad for the economy. But it's our time to start pulling our weight, and that's yep. what we're doing today. Yep. That's why we're here. Hey, I mean, our our lives from a podcasting standpoint are unaffected because we we would be in the same boat regardless, even if there was there was no virus. So, uh, but yeah, I I agree, Ben, that we're we're doing our part here. We we are advocates of uh, social. Distancing. We definitely don't have any great content left in the future to talk about, assuming sports are canceled for a while. But one sport that is left, if you want to count it a sport, which I don't, esports 
is still going on because you don't really need to go out outside or or anything. Actually, I've I've read that a lot of esports competitions are canceled because yeah. while the competition takes place in a virtual world, the teams still congregate in person. People show up to watch live, and they're not doing that. Oh, so I'm so late on that news. It's <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. So even esports has been impacted by um, coronavirus. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy how comprehensive the cancellations have been. Pretty much everything is just yeah, everything not happening. Everything except the WWE because uh, Vince McMahon doesn't believe in in illnesses, so it's still going on. Although they're at least having WrestleMania 36 happen without fans, which feels like the one event that you would absolutely want to have fans in the crowd for. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, NASCAR was planning on going without fans, and they still postponed a couple races, and I'm sure that they're going to continue to do that in the future. UFC, UFC had... They had a fight this weekend without fans, yep. and they just decided to cancel their next few events. So, uh, I think that a lot of a lot of these leagues are realizing that. Uh, luckily, some things like the Masters just being postponed. No idea till when. It'll probably be weird having the Masters in like August, but that seems like our our most likely scenario at this point. Yeah, it's a smart idea to postpone it. I mean they they canceled the three tournaments right after the players championship altogether not even bothering it bothering mm-hmm. playing them but yeah to postpone the masters till august or september is definitely a, a great idea because you don't want to miss out on that tournament but i've also heard from jack nicholas um he said on the news saying that he highly doubts that'll even happen this year which coming from someone like him that i don't feel good about that what was his reasoning for that i'll admit i, I i'll admit i don't I actually don't know the, what his reasoning was, but all I know, I just saw a headline that said Jack Nicholas highly doubt uh, Masters will come come this year. That's it. it it's it- one of the problems or one of the challenges of this whole coronavirus thing is all the different types of information, the mi- like blatant misinformation, scammers, people trying to influence you, um, and also just the fact that some of it is just unknowable right now and it's hard to predict what's going on in the future like i was talking to a friend who recently had their disney trip canceled because it was supposed to be this coming weekend and they're like yeah but at least it only got rescheduled to may things will be fine in may and i'm like is that a guarantee does walt disney know something i don't because i've heard by may things are only going to be worse right and it's this differing expectations that is also part of the anxiety is some people are bracing for a truly world-changing event something that is going to be really frightening and other people are like man i can't wait for this five day long thing to be over so i can get back to my normal life you know it's just it's a whole spectrum of expectations and we won't really know uh you know until time passes yeah and i think one analogy i heard is that some people are treating this like it's a corona blizzard but this is really like a corona winter you have no that idea was the guy on joe rogan that was the oh doctor yeah it was that went okay. on joe rogan yeah that and he's the, dude and that's the thing what he is one of the most if you want to like gauge optimistic versus pessimist pessimistic expectations he was one of the most pessimistic i've heard and he's pretty informed so um i'm gonna pull up his name because it sounds like we're talking about nobody right now but he was the um basically like in uh, infectious, infectious disease, disease expert like i think yeah he was big... like an infectious disease detective yeah um, yeah like, detective was the way i think that's how he phrased it himself this is like the, the right, one Joe like, Rogan experience, like video I've I've watched probably. 
Uh, but it felt yeah, like an important I mean, thing. a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, uh, you know, tuned in because it was perfectly timed um, having this guy on. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm t- Michael Osterholm. Michael Osterholm. He, uh, and he's, he's an inter- internationally recognized expert in infectious disease epidemiology. Uh, he's a Regents Professor, McKnight Presidential Endowed Chair in the Public Health, the Director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy. Uh, for, I think he's the former director. Uh, distinguished teaching professor in the Division of Environmental Health Sciences, School of Public Health, a professor in the Technological Leadership Institute. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other credentials here. Uh, he's a well-informed guy, and I know it's ju- it's an appeal to authority to listen to a a scientist, but I feel like that's the time that you're supposed to do that. This is exactly the time where you would listen to a scientist, not to some, you know, your uncle on Facebook who's saying that, the like, you know, gargle salt water and it'll kill the coronavirus, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... So, uh, I'm hesitant to expect anything from the upcoming year. I'm going into it kind of bracing for the worst, and, and if, any, if it's better than that, then good. Um, but I don't... I'm not very optimistic that a lot of these sports will be able to make up uh, a, a lot of the lost yeah, time. Yeah, not only did the PGA postpone the Masters, they just announced today that they're postponing the PGA Championship, which is scheduled supposed to be scheduled in May. So hearing that and what the NBA has had to say about what they think about the coronavirus, they don't think it'll be until June at the earliest. So I'm also taking that approach that it doesn't look like there's too much reason for optimism right now yeah and the boston marathon is was supposed to be run around the same time as the masters in mid-april that's being postponed to september along with the french open which is late may also being postponed to september the uefa euro is supposed to kick off what early june they're saying no we're just waiting till 2021 so uh i think that you know, just given that, like, it seems like it's just constantly changing everything's being pushed back the mlb went from two-week delay then early may then we'll be lucky to be playing before july so and then then the olympics in tokyo i don't know how that's how that's gonna go yeah yeah i mean that's that's what late july early august so that that's certainly something that could uh could be affected pretty hard so um i I, I honestly have no idea what to believe at this point. I don't think anybody does. And we can just, I guess, got to hope that you know, some of these can come back. So, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily get false hopes on things, but I've heard the NHL was considering do or is considering having a 24 team playoff field if they do come back. So I wow. think that, yeah, having something like that, just basically the idea is that if they, can't play any more regular season games by the time that they decide to restart it Uh, just uh give more teams opportunities because it's kind of unfair where they they sit in the standings right now given that teams have played an unequal number of games and there's still another like 12 or so games left per team it would be curious if the nba does something similar yeah i've heard yeah i've heard people saying that nba will likely just lop off the rest of the season and just jump right into the playoffs and again, I just saw that on Twitter, but I felt like that was pretty, um, you know, like th- uh, inconsiderate for some of the teams that might be on the bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, I-, I don't know. 
um, how like ten, long tenured NBA fans feel about that. I know it's all about the playoffs and the regular season, quote unquote, doesn't matter. But can you imagine if we got our March Madness fix in the NBA where yeah. they sent, what if they sent all 30 teams to the playoffs and they were, just had a huge bracket? This would be I the would perfect time for, for Bill Simmons' crazy as hell tournament. The idea that the, the eighth playoff seed should be between all of the the like bottom eight through 15 teams. Um, just playing in a bracket to get that. So that would be one way to do it. Kind of similar <laughs> to what the NHL is doing. Um, I mean, in the East, I don't know if it's as big of a deal given how terrible most of those teams are. There's fewer than eight teams that even deserve to make the playoffs. When you look at the West, though, there's a lot of teams that you're like, oh, they're still very much in this. But they uh, wouldn't get the opportunity if the regular season doesn't continue. So we'll see. I mean, that's also assuming that any of this comes back. Like baseball, are they going to keep playing until December, January? Uh, I think there's a lot of of questions in terms of how many – um, games these these sports are actually going to be able to play one silver year. lining in all this if sports do come back the nba could make a change for next season and decide to schedule the season starting from december when the nba season really starts off i mean because from october november pe- fans don't really care about basketball that much but once christmas happens like one of the best days uh, for nba games all season that's when fans really get into it how about start the season in december and then have the playoffs in July and August because the NBA can't really compete with the NFL during October, November. Everyone's just too, way too focused in the football. But how about how about have the playoffs around yeah early June, July, and August when there's really nothing going on but baseball, and that's their only competition is is baseball because you're not going to compete with football, but baseball you can absolutely do it. Yeah, well, I think at that point you start getting into are you just going to change the entire calendar for the nba long term or is it just going to be a short-term fix because to me the nba is eventually going to want to have things end in june again right uh, based on that it would almost be like a full shift from december to october which i heard the or to august but i did hear the um, atlanta hawks owner i believe suggested that the nba delay their season to start in december so maybe you know that's another thing right this could actually get that to happen so I'm for that idea, but that's just me personally. But yeah, it's crazy. We won't know until time passes. So uh, maybe there won't be more any like new sports news necessarily for us to talk about, but we can definitely <laughs> continue to talk about coronavirus as it develops. Yep. Uh, but it, when we say no sports news, that, that's not necessarily true, at least for the time being, uh, as we move on to talk about NFL free agency, which despite some possibility that it wouldn't start on time between the CBA negotiation as well as the NFL trying to decide what they would do in regards to the coronavirus. Everything's on a schedule. The NFL didn't, they're not making any delays. Wednesday at 4 p.m., March 18th, free agency officially kicks off. But of course, we're in the legal tampering period right now. And there have been a ton of signings and other news, particularly one position has had a lot of uh, shakeup, something that was expected heading into the offseason. That is a quarterback position. And we'll start with, you know, depending on who you are, either really happy news or really sad news. And that is Tom Brady announced on social media that he will be leaving the New England Patriots. So he hasn't officially announced where he's going to go. Certainly a lot of speculation at this point. 
But let's focus on the news at hand that we know for sure is that Tom Brady will no longer be a New England Patriot. Let's kick it over to our resident Patriots fan, Brian, to give his initial thoughts on the news. Yeah, it's a very sad day personally for me, uh, given that I've been a Patriots. The My first, very first Patriots game that I ever watched was the Tuck Rule game. So he's literally been the quarterback wow. ever since I've been a fan. I mean, yeah, that one year with Mac, with with him tearing his ACL and Matt Castle came in for one year, but still, he's been the starting quarterback for my entire life. So it's definitely a sad day. Am I shocked by it? No, but in the moment when you see on your phone on Twitter or seeing on the TV that it's been reported that Tom Brady's he announced that he's not coming back, it still in the moment shocks you, but. If you look at everything from this past season where he gets the contract but he's not really happy with it and he, him and his family move out or sell the house, he takes his kid at, kids out of school, he's, he's grumpy all season even after wins. It, it, it just seemed like, yeah, that this was his last season and if you thought he was coming back, it, it's probably just because you were just holding on to hope and thinking that there's no way Tom Brady's going to leave. There's no chance, but... I've been leading towards the opposite where he's going to go and now it's official and it's it's not good for me as a Patriots fan uh, right now. Well, so coming at it from the perspective as someone who hates the Patriots um, and is not a Tom Brady fan. So I, I've kind of gone through this whole process very torn with mixed emotions because on the one hand, I love that Patriots fans like Brian are sad right now that their beloved Tom Brady is no longer their quarterback. But on the other hand, I'm under the impression that Tom Brady is has won his last Super Bowl, that his best days are long behind him. It's kind of evidence we saw in 2019, something that we started to see in 2018 before that improbable playoff run to the Super Bowl. And I think that the Patriots and knowing their head coach, Bill Belichick, is you know, the greatest to ever assemble football teams he's done this in the past where he's let guys go a year too early as opposed to a year too late has some kind of plan in place to replace Tom Brady and I think that uh, the idea that this could be better for the Patriots in the long term as opposed to committing a ton of money to an aging quarterback for the next few years like some other team is about to do I one one thing I like about all this is that both these guys both Brady and Belichick they're going to be both motivated to have success in try to get to another Super Bowl because the one hole in both of their resumes is that Brady hasn't won without Belichick as his head coach and then Belichick hasn't won without Brady as his quarterback and they want to they each want to prove that they're the more important factor in the Patriots success for all these years yeah as a I don't know like I'm definitely a Tom Brady fan you know but I'm more of like a like I respect him a lot. Like he's the he's the goat. How can you not respect the goat? And I am excited to see him play on a different team because I am curious uh, to see just how good he can be in a totally new environment. And I also feel like his supporting cast has lacked has left a lot to be desired of late. And I think he still has it in him to be one of the top like numbers wise quarterbacks in this league if he has the right weapons and there's a chance he'll land somewhere with a whole bunch of weapons and uh, I would love to see that so it, it almost feels like 
it's it's certainly going to happen at this point that you'll get to see Tom Brady with a greater supporting cast than he had this past season in New England. Um, as it's Tampa is the clear front runner right now. The Chargers are sounding Adam, like they're maybe out of the picture, but they're it's one of those teams. So Adam Schefter Adam yeah. Schefter tweeted thirty minutes ago. Tampa is the expected landing spot for Tom Brady, barring anything unforeseen. Sources tell me. So yes, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Tampa, which. I have definitely been saying Tampa for a while now for Tom Brady. So Tampa, of course, you'd have wide receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then oh, you yes. have tight ends and Cameron Brait and OJ, and OJ Howard. Howard. Oh, yeah. Who's Julian Edelman? No, Julian who, who Edelman does he is have? Actually... Like, is he just going to air it out 40 yards to Mike Evans every other play? Like, is that something Brady can continue to do? Like, you know, is Cameron Brait or O.J. Howard going to merge into the next Gronk or you know, the next George Kittle or even Zach Ertz? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's something that a lot of the a lot of uh, people have been saying, like O.J. Howard to the Patriots uh, with Tom Brady. Like, he's he'd be the perfect tight end for him. But once again, this kind of goes to you're talking about a 43 year old quarterback who's who's showing his age more and more as the seasons go by right now. And I just I don't know. It, maybe that's it. We're going to find out. Yeah, Belichick just didn't give him the best supporting cast in New England last year, and that's why the Patriots ultimately fell short in the playoffs. But I'm kind of under the belief that Julian Edelman, James White, even like a rookie like Nikhil Harry, you know, I know this tight end situation wasn't great uh, with Benjamin Watson coming out of retirement, retiring again just uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, but it, it seemed like the Patriots kind of had a, a pretty solid setup for what his capabilities are now. Maybe the offensive line could have been a little better, uh, but I'm not sure that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going to boost Brady's play. I think if anything, those guys are going to take a hit in terms of what they can do. Having a guy like Tom Brady, as opposed to a guy like Jameis Winston, who just say, chucks they, the ball downfield. All they down did was just chuck the deep ball like it, and it helped Godwin and Evans fancy numbers. Yeah, and I, I just don't see that being repeated with Brady. And yeah, maybe Brady won't throw 30 picks like Winston did, but is he really going to throw for 5,000 yards? Is he going to throw for 30 touchdowns? I don't think so. I think having those guys greatly increase the chance of that. I don't know. I don't know exactly what kind of offense they're going to run. I think Bruce Arians is a good coach. We've seen him revitalize old quarterbacks before, and... It's Tom Brady, baby. I'm not ready to give up. I'm not ready to to count this man out because that rarely uh, works out, okay? And obviously, he didn't do well in this last postseason, and last season was one to forget. But I still believe that Tom Brady can put something together, especially when you give him a bounty of of weapons. So we'll have to see. I guess that if that's going to be where he's going to be, I'm excited to uh, see what he does with those yeah, kind I of think weapons. it makes sense from an offensive standpoint because the weapons that he had last year in New England were definitely not good enough outside of Edelman and James White, but the weapons he has now, he's going to have now likely, and assuming he goes to Tampa, he's going to have Ed- Evans and Godwin. That's probably the best receiver tandem in the league right now. And then got decent tight ends, better ones in New- than New England, and a good offensive head coach. But I don't know if that and whatever they have on defense is good enough to you know win a super bowl but it's i think it's good enough to go 10 and 6 oh excuse me 11 and 6 now that we have a 17 game schedule but 
Is the seventeenth uh, game happening in twenty twenty? I don't, I thought I don't it's know. It's not going to be till twenty twenty one. Everyone keeps saying that, but like I don't think that they're changing the schedule just yet. Okay, so maybe not this. I but. hope that they make it a neutral game, neutral site game. Like make if you're gonna make some teams play in London, make everybody play international games. You know, make every single give it an equal playing field. Oh, they they said that they're not going to do that. They're not gonna. It's not just gonna be sixteen international games. So they're not do what on neutral sites though. Like I play assume in a city it'll be that domestic neutral sites because yeah. it's going to it it will break my heart if the, there's teams that are just playing extra away games and teams that play, play extra home games and they're like mm-hmm. eh, it's fine because it's totally not fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, but that's I, what I we're talking about. I'm sorry, no. I'm t- we're getting off topic. We got plenty of uh, free agency to talk about. Yeah. Anyway, one thing before we move on to the Tom Brady, I will say that, you know, even though it sounds like Brady doesn't want to go to the West, I think that him going to the Chargers with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, that sounds like a much better fit for him than what Tampa has right now. So Tampa, certainly if they get Brady, they can maybe change their their weapons even more. But just based on that, I think that the Chargers would be the better fit for him. Yeah, I agree. Tampa's easily the the favorite right now but i wouldn't rule out la or maybe the slight chance of dallas if they even though they franchise Dak, if they end up trading him out of nowhere and, and all right well hey let's let's jump right into that yeah the dallas cowboys so Dak prescott who you know, while tom brady certainly is the bigger name with his his future hall of fame career six-time super bowl champion you could certainly make a case that Dak prescott is the best right now quarterback who is in free agency Cowboys were willing to offer him uh, one of the the highest if not the highest contracts in the NFL apparently the two sides can't agree on length of terms which has led to them slapping the franchise sack on him so I feel like we, we talked a little bit about Dak Prescott on our last episode uh, but what do you guys think in terms of what Dallas and Dak should be looking for right now I mean, I don't, I don't know what Dak is thinking, not or not taking that deal. I, especially now that Amari Cooper's back, I, I don't know. I think he should, I think he should have taken that deal. It, it seems like a fair deal. I know he's been underpaid for all these years, given that he was a fourth round pick, but I think he should have taken the deal. And yeah, that's my, that's my small opinion. Yeah, I mean, get the bag, man. Get that big money deal because there's no guarantee you don't totally obliterate your leg this season and this is it you know that's the nature of football but I'm surprised that the Cowboys were able to even figure this whole thing out I kind of expected them to royally screw up and lose their talent but they've got Dak another year at least yeah I mean it seems crazy to think that Dak would play on the franchise tag this year after how little money he made the past four seasons Uh, you're talking about increasing his salary by like 15 times potentially so to me i think that somehow this is going to work out so one interesting thing i read i don't know if it was a typo but that the cowboys want a five-year deal but dak only wants a four-year deal usually you would think it would be the other way around that the player would want the longer term unless that the the longer term means less average annual value uh, but yeah i mean i i think that these two sides are going to work it out eventually i don't anticipate the the uh, Cowboys coming out of left field and changing course and signing Tom Brady and moving on from Dak Prescott at this point uh, and it really doesn't seem like there's a better scenario for Dallas and I don't know what Jerry Jones would think would happen next year by allowing Dak Prescott to become a free agent 
So, uh, anyway, I guess you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. That's certainly uh, one of these deals that uh, will will continue to shape uh, because of the nature of the franchise tag, and they have until July fifteenth to negotiate a long term deal. So, another team that was uh, potentially going to franchise tag their quarterback that instead decided to sign him to a huge deal, ninety one million dollars guaranteed. The Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. So. Now, I know, uh, based on our past discussions, Brian, I assume you're not a fan of this in any this way. This is one of the worst signings ever. I guarantee you by year one, maybe, or year two, that this will hit them in the face and they'll go back straight to mediocrity. Yes, I do not like this deal at all. And Ben, um, I'm actually not sure what your thoughts are going to be on this one, but I am curious to hear them right now following Brian. Um, you know, I kind of thought this is where Tom Brady was going to go. And, uh, once I'm not sure which one was the catalyst for, you know, if if their intentions towards Tannehill were like, sorry, Brady, but we're choosing someone else. Or if Brady was like, no, I'm actually not going to go to you guys, whatever the cause. I think that if they believe in Ryan Tannehill, there's a chance he could be worth the money. He has always been regarded as like a high value quarterback, but he went to the Dolphins and he had a terrible injury history. So I know that his numbers in the playoffs are not impressive and there's more to it than just the playoffs. I, I liked what I saw from Ryan Tannehill in the regular season. It's tough to know if he can have that stretch on beyond this, like, you know, into the future, but the Titans seem to think that they can and playing like switching up quarterbacks all the time rarely leads to success so if the titans think they've got their guy they i think they might be right so you know it's a lot of money but every time you pay a quarterback they're getting a a whole bunch of money and then a couple years later another quarterback gets paid and it's like well good thing we already paid our guy because now he's not getting paid as much by comparison remember when jimmy was the highest paid quarterback in the league that's not true at all anymore no, and I I agree from that standpoint. I think it's a little crazy. Um, I was I was anticipating Ryan Tannehill to get franchise sacked by Tennessee, give it one more shot, see if he can repeat his success of 2019 in 2020. Uh, but I I do like them doing this for two reasons. So reason number one, like Ben said, and basically just everything you read, the Titans they they found their guy. A year ago, you guys were both saying that the Titans trading for Ryan Tannehill was the worst move of free agency. And he only went on to take him to the AFC Championship game. Beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Okay, 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 okay. You know what? He and I get it. I get it. He I did get it just it. him? There's no, no one else? No, I get it. It was Derrick Henry who played a major part in that. But by signing Ryan Tannehill to this deal, they were then able to franchise tag Derrick Henry, which is the number two big thing. And... You know, Derrick Henry, phenomenal season for the Titans. I know, Ben, you've been a huge fan of him. I would argue my advice that I gave to the Titans was just as impactful as signing Ryan Tannehill, at least as impactful, if not more, uh, that they should give the ball to Derrick Henry. So if you're willing to say that he took them to the AFC Championship, I'm willing to say that it was my advice that actually got Derrick Henry going. Sure, that works. All I know is giving Derrick Henry the franchise sack keeping him in Tennessee while also not necessarily committing to a guy who just runs straight through people, you know, someone who put on you know, so many carries, so many rushing yards, and just a short stretch in the postseason. I think that's a smart move here. 
Um, and it's unfortunate that that's how running backs are valued in the NFL right now. But you don't want to end up in a Le'Veon Bell situation like the Jets got themselves into. So, definitely, definitely. And as or much even as Todd I, Gurley with the Rams, like yes. And you know me, I love uh, Derrick Henry, but I don't believe in paying co- uh, running backs big money. And and I'm I think that they played this perfectly, as, assuming that they're right about Ryan Tannehill being their franchise quarterback. These are two excellent moves. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. And like Brian said, you could easily find out in year one that this Nick Foles two point right move. Right. That's that's my, as my prediction right now. That that bit greater sample size than Nick Foles, and Nick Nick Foles really was just the the playoff heroics, whereas Ryan Danahill had the opposite. He was a regular season like leader in everything when he played. But I understand. I understand based on his injury history, his kind of underwhelming play at times in Miami, even though he was phenomenal in 2016, the one year they made the playoffs. Uh, I get the hesitance with Ryan Danahill, but I feel like this move is not going to be terrible for the Titans. I think at the very least, they can find themselves in the top seven in the AFC for the next couple of years and feel like they're getting some kind of reward. So yeah, I hate the Ryan Tannehill move, but franchising Derrick Henry, I don't mind. I, I don't mind though. Uh, like Ben said, I'm uh I, I don't wanna I wouldn't want to pay running backs big money, but uh he he was certainly effective last season and then look at past the past playoff games. He had hundred and eighty two rushing yards versus the Patriots, and then he had hundred and ninety five rushing yards versus the Ravens. He was by far their best player in the playoffs. So give him one more year and see if he's still got it. All right. Well, uh, let's let's uh, move on to some other quarterbacks. So there's plenty more to get to, and we were talking about Tom Brady. Sounds like there's a good chance he'll be playing in the NFC South with the Bucks. Well, two other teams in the NFC South are making moves in free agency. Drew Brees officially returns to the Saints, two years, fifty million dollar deal, pretty much expected. But uh, whether you want to call it a big surprise or uh, how you want to talk about this, his backup, Teddy Bridgewater is leaving the Saints to get uh, what seems like a starting role in Carolina. Three years, $63 million deal. And along with that, Cam Newton has been granted the opportunity, which based on his Instagram was not necessarily wanted, but granted the opportunity to seek a trade um, and leave Carolina. So Panthers bring in a new head coach, uh, Matt Rule, a guy from the college ranks. They bring in Joe Brady, Offensive coordinator from LSU, Teddy Bridgewater's offensive coordinator the year before with the Saints, and they decide that you know, Teddy Bridgewater giving him this big money is the move uh, for the at least for the right now. So, what are your thoughts on Carolina's decision to go with Teddy Bridgewater as their new quarterback in place of Cam Newton and in in place of potentially uh, a younger rookie quarterback? Teddy football, as I like to refer to him, because everybody wanted to crown Johnny as the best quarterback uh, that year. But I was a bigger Teddy Bridgewater fan. And Teddy football, is his time has finally come. I, I feel like he's finally getting his opportunity to be that franchise quarterback. And you couldn't have put on a better performance than he did in his... Uh, like his limited time as the lead guy while Drew Brees was recovering from uh, his hand injury. I love Cam Newton. I love MVP Cam dabbing on the haters. One of my favorite quarterbacks ever to watch because of 
just how much of a beast he is. His his mobility, his ability to just chuck the ball downfield. He's an athlete, you know, he's a freak athlete. But I haven't seen him in years, okay? The duct tape and, uh, you know, gorilla glued uh, man that has hobbled onto the field in the last few seasons is a shell of that former beast. And I'm with the Panthers on this one. I think it's time to move on. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a great opportunity to potentially find your starter and um, and move on from a quarterback that ha- can't seem to play the whole season and can't seem to play like he used to. I know that a lot of Panthers fans don't agree with me. In fact, most Panthers fans I've talked to about this are massively disappointed uh, that Cam Newton is gone. I mean, this has to hurt, especially with the departure of Luke Keekley, not that far in the rearview mirror. But as a person who believes Cam Newton is probably past his prime, I think it's a great time to shift gears and maybe start a new era with Teddy Football at the helm. Yeah, I'm happy happy for Teddy Bridgewater to look back on the earlier part of his career when he was in Minnesota he was basically a game manager with Adrian Peterson in the backfield and then he had that horrible leg injury in training camp or or in a practice it was like a, a week before the season started yeah right at the right. end of the preseason he he comes back years later and then he's with the Saints and then he gets his opportunity when Breeze is out and he he, he comes through and he gets the big contract so I'm I'm happy for Teddy Bridgewater, and I agree with Ben that it's the right move to get rid of Cam Newton. I just I think Cam Newton is basically cooked or done at this point in his career. But I mean, he's yeah, cooked. he's he's done. I think he's cooked. done. <laughs> just given that he's barely been able to hasn't been able to get on the field uh, very much in the past couple of seasons. So. I, I'm super happy for Teddy Bridgewater getting this big deal. I mean, as Brian mentioned, what he's been through in his career, um, I think it's awesome for him to be getting paid, given this opportunity to be a starting quarterback, something that he hadn't had in New Orleans for very long, but had proven in a short period of time that he has what it takes to at least lead an NFL offense to success. I also agree that it, it makes sense for the Panthers to move on from Cam Newton. But I, I don't necessarily think it's giving up on him because he's not great anymore because of his injury history. I think he does still have something left in him, and I think he can still succeed for another team. I just think that the Panthers were in a position where rebuilding makes a ton of sense. And I, I kind of question this move to add Teddy Bridgewater for that reason. I think that they would have could have found themselves in a really good position to either take a shot on a guy like Justin Herbert or even Tua Tagovailoa. If you have to make trades, whatever, uh, give Joe Brady that kind of player and see what he has. Or why not stick with Kyle Allen and Will Greer and tank for Trevor Lawrence? You know, we saw the Dolphins kind of struggle in their ability to tank for Tua. So I know that it's it's not an exact science in the NFL, but the Panthers could have put themselves in a great position to get that number one overall pick and be able to get that quarterback who a lot of people are thinking could be the the next big thing in this league so I think the Teddy Bridgewater signing to me it I don't even know what direction this team is kind of headed in right now Uh, we'll see what Matt Rule and Joe Brady can do with this guy I feel like they're in a position though where adding some young talent at that quarterback position made a lot more sense and while Teddy Bridgewater yeah he is a younger type player I I feel like he's the kind of guy who 
it kind of makes the Panthers somewhat relevant. He's a steady, but not he's a steady a playoff guy. contender. He does, he... Yeah, I mean, like even then, it's like he went five and zero with the Saints. Do you expect him to have that kind of success with this Panthers team? Probably not. I don't. He's probably like a five hundred quarterback. I feel yeah. like, yeah, if that, you know, it was six and ten to me. Kind of seems like what this team is looking at with a Teddy Bridgewater. You know, playing healthy, being the quarterback the whole season. They invested a lot of money in him. It's not like they can just move on from him after one season. Like the idea is that he would be the quarterback in 2020 and 2021 at least. So yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy um, for I, I Teddy Bridgewater, we'll but yeah, is it the right move I, for the Panthers? Yeah, I'd I'd probably lean towards just drafting a guy and have that whoever that quarterback is have him and Kyle Allen uh, try to try out for the starting position. Yeah, I was really big on the Matt Rule hiring, but I, I don't know. This this it takes it down a little bit for me. I don't necessarily hate them signing a, a a quarterback to at least be a bridge player, but I don't know that Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> despite his name, is is that player. So, you know, I guess speaking of bridge players, it seems like that's what the Colts could be doing as they sign uh, Philip Rivers. You know, the, the longtime Chargers quarterback to a one-year, $25 million deal, something that a lot of people expected seemed like the the ultimate fit, uh, the one situation where there was mutual interest on both sides. So Philip Rivers, you know, longtime Charger, is now an Indianapolis Colt. I like it. Uh, the Colts have always been treated to good quarterback play for the most part. You know, over the last 20 years, you could say the majority of those years, you've had somebody good. Um under center and um you know this may be his last ride but uh i think he he's still got it i think he's got one more season in him especially if he's got a good supporting cast and i love that colts o-line um i don't know it'll be a fresh it'll be a fresh of breath air to see philip rivers not have to play for the dismal chargers who like always find a way to lose uh, no matter what happens in the game they find a way to blow it at the last second so maybe just a change of scenery will be all we need to have philip rivers go uh you know have one last amazing i think season. the reason why they always find a way to blow it is because philip rivers was their quarterback so 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 yeah, I, I i'm i'm disagreeing i I don't like this move. I I think Philip Rivers is also done. I, just watching him this past season, he was just just awful. And I and I'm I'm kind of a Brissett fan. I don't think he's amazing, but I think he's a half decent quarterback. I think they, I think he's fine. And they should. That's another team that could look into the draft and find another future quarterback. Yeah, I don't blame the Colts for wanting to move on from Jacoby Brissett. Um, he he was an okay game manager this year, but he only completed 61% of his passes, didn't even throw for 3,000 yards, but he only threw for six interceptions. And Phillip Rivers threw for 20 in 2019. And I don't know if the adding Rivers is a big upgrade. And the AFC South feels like one of those divisions where every year, you know, one of those teams, all it could take is winning 10, 11 games, and you find yourself playing in the uh, ESPN 430 wildcard game at home. And that the Colts, I, I don't know who necessarily would have been that significant of an upgrade, but I, I like the idea of the Colts kind of looking into the draft to get their next guy, which they still could do with Phillip Rivers uh, as their quarterback. But I, I don't know um, if if Rivers is a huge upgrade over Brissett. And it seems like the Colts have a lot of good things going for them, except for the quarterback position. And you could probably say the same thing about the Chargers last year. Now, they had a lot more problems with injuries and stuff. Uh, but 
I, I think I'm a, I'm a little hesitant to buy into this Rivers signing as the the right move for Indianapolis. Agree. So. <laughs> Okay, so beyond that, uh, just a few more points. Uh, Vikings extend Kirk Cousins. Brian, are you still a huge Kirk Cousins See, fan? See, I am, but he is, he, he's been worse than I thought he'd be in Minnesota because if you take out those first two amazing games he had, the first two games he ever had in Minnesota, and then that, that overtime drive versus the Saints in the playoffs, if you take out those, he's really just been a mediocre, maybe even below average quarterback at a little disappointing for me, and yeah, I don't, I don't understand the extension. I think they should have just waited out one more year and see if he's their guy or not. I don't, I don't get the extension to be honest. Yeah, I also like Kirk Cousins as a person, especially, but also somewhat as a quarterback. But yeah, I don't know what the urgency is here. You know, Kirk Cousins, you know, he still has a lot of expectations to live up to, and I, I don't know if I'm as confident as the Vikings. Um, in his potential for this team. I thought Kirk Cousins had a really solid season for the Vikings this year. I think he's someone that's kind of easy to hate on. You can think back to his 2018 as being super disappointing. Yeah, like the so the first, but, what, I don't know, quarter or half of his first season was good, and then he tanked. And then this season, it started off bad, but then got a little bit better as the yeah, year got on. It got so yeah. much better. Yeah. So I thought he'd be I, a better. I don't know. I mean, is, is Kirk Cousins, thing. and I, I don't know if Kirk Cousins in prime time. I know he, he that got a lot of hate. But even this year, he won some games in prime time. He won on the road in New Orleans in the playoffs. So I, I, I don't necessarily hate the move for the Vikings. I think that he is a a solid quarterback for that team, and that it, there's a reason for them to want to continue to employ his services. Uh, I, I don't think that he's ever going to be a top five quarterback, but I certainly believe he can find himself within the top 10 statistically, at least every year. I think he's been so, fine, but what, yeah, no. what keeps, um, what keeps Kirk cousins in my mind, uh, is that game versus the Niners when he was just captain. Yeah, right. I was cap- about to say that the last time I saw him, he got absolutely captain check down and, uh, that's all he did. In that and game. he was not. He was not a threat at all, but obviously there's more than one game in a season or, or even a postseason run. Like he did help to beat the Saints um, in New Orleans, and you can't overlook that. Um, so yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, Corey. Like, yeah, I mean, and you could also kind of point to just the the trenches in that one where you have his offensive line wasn't up to par, and the 49ers had the best defensive line arguably in the entire league. So. I think that from that perspective, you know, obviously that tells you there are problems that the Vikings still need to address, and we'll see how they manage the rest of their roster around Kirk Cousins. But I, I don't hate this move. I think that Kirk Cousins gets a lot of hate that's uh, more like myths and like things that Snopes could prove wrong than anything else. And it, it doesn't help that so. they just got rid of their next best or their second best receiver. Just just the other day no it doesn't it doesn't and you know we'll we'll jump into that shortly um but before before we move on just a couple more quarterback signings so the Raiders Marcus Mariota one-year deal I don't know that the Raiders were were my ideal fit for Mariota I think the Bears would have been the best personal situation for him uh but the the Chicago's appeared to be looking elsewhere when it comes to finding competition for Mitchell Trubisky is Marcus Mariota going to be competition for Derek Carr, though? 
in Las Vegas? I think that's that's going to be one of the questions that we'll see answered. And if that's the case, you know, it, it, why is why is he John Gruden's guy? So uh, that that's one of the big things we'll see with that. But then a, another signing that I find even more interesting when it comes to a backup is Case Keenum to the Cleveland Browns. Three years, $18 million, $10 million guaranteed. And not going to say that it's definitely going to happen, but if you want to look at a Ryan Tannehill 2020 situation, it kind of <laughs> feels like it fits the profile. I mean, so, oh man, if you're the Browns, you sure hope not, right? No, but with Baker Mayfield was disappointing in 2019. I think we can all agree on that. He the was, whole Browns organization was disappointing. The whole organization was, but Baker Mayfield was a big part of that. And, you know, he had his weapons. His his head coach was someone who he worked well with when he was OC. Of course, Freddie Kitchens was in over his head as a head coach. Uh, but Kevin Zafanski, the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns, was Case Keenum's quarterback coach in 2017 when Keenum led the Vikings to the NFC Championship game and a 13-3 and record. So, you know, how quick is Zafanski going to be to – wanting to make case Keenum the new guy if Baker struggles and he saw how much success he had with him so I'm I'm really interested to see if we see case Keenum at all this year and what we see out of him because it seems like he's someone who thrived in Stefanski's system in the past and this also tells me that the Browns don't have a whole lot of faith or at least Stefanski and whoever is the new the new regime uh, don't have a whole lot of faith in Baker we'll talk about more of the what the Browns did later, but they certainly have made moves to put pressure on Baker to perform a lot better this upcoming season if he wants to remain the starter. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I don't know. Well, this could ultimately be nothing if if Baker plays great, but it, it's certainly something to monitor in the same way that you'd have to monitor that Ryan Tannehill deal last year with Tennessee, given what Marcus Mariota uh, was looking like going into the season. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's continue the NFL free agency coverage and let's talk about some other positions. So quarterbacks, Tuesday. Tuesday was big quarterback day. Monday was a big wide receiver day. In particular, three wide receiver moves. And two trades. DeAndre Hopkins goes from the Texans to the Cardinals. Svon Diggs goes from the Vikings to the Bills. And then Amari Cooper remains with the Dallas Cowboys. Five years, $100 million. And a lot of wows in these deals. Uh, I think that the biggest wow, though, was the Texans' DeAndre Hopkins trade. Uh, as they send... DeAndre Hopkins, a top three receiver in the league and a fourth round pick to the Cardinals for running back David Johnson and the entirety of his $13 million salary over the next two years, plus a second round pick and a fourth next year. If you guys thought I hated the Ryan Tannehill move, this by far tops it. This might be the stupidest trade I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I like David Johnson. Uh, I think he, I think it's been unfortunate that the past three seasons he's been hurt by bad old line play or or injuries and not having really having a quarterback until this past season. But uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean that uh, you should trade him for DeAndre Hopkins or or excuse me get him for DeAndre Hopkins and lose your only basically your only good receiver because Will Fuller is only going to be healthy for six games a year. 
Kenny Stills is okay, but he's not tr- worthy of a number one receiver. And now Deshaun Watson has basically almost no one to throw to now. And I don't, I don't understand this move at all for the Texans. You got to feel bad for Houston fans. They've gone through a lot lately, and this might be the worst of it. <laughs> Losing a guy like Hopkins, especially when you've got his like this connection between him and Deshaun Watson, where like on a semi-regular basis, these two just kind of defy all like logic and make amazing plays together, and you're just gonna break them up for basically nothing. It's appalling. I can't. I mean. Especially when there are other trades or other, yeah, other acquisitions of wide receivers going on where the compensation is so much greater for talent that you could argue is less. The Cardinals didn't even need to give up a yeah. first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins and the Bills. They should have given up no, multiple first round picks. It, it makes no sense to me. I mean, literally the same day the Bills give up a first round pick and three more to get Stephon Diggs who is not a top three receiver. He's someone who he may or may not have even been the number one on his his Vikings team. He's going to come in via wide receiver one for the Bills. I think he's worth what they gave up. I don't think that the DeAndre Hopkins trade should take away from what the Bills gave up for Deshaun Diggs. It should show you just how horrible, horrible, horrible of a trade that was for Bill O'Brien. And uh, Bill O'Brien should not be the head coach of the Texans, and he clearly, clearly should not be the general manager. He is just absolutely in over his head. Jadavion Clowney got nothing for him. And now DeAndre Hopkins gets absolutely nothing for him. Yep. So this feels like one of those trades where like your friend, like you needed an extra person in fantasy football. Like one of your league members, one of your regulars moved to Japan. So he can't be in the league anymore. So now you had to replace him with this guy who hasn't played fantasy in a couple years. And he's like, Oh, David Johnson. I remember. Yeah, uh, I remember a couple years ago. He was like the best guy. I'll take. Yeah, I'll trade you, DeAndre Hopkins. No, no worries. You know. And then after that, you have to implement a rule in your fantasy league that you have to approve trades because it's like, ah, oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Like now we have to police this because we can't allow this kind of robbery. You know, it, it like especially as a fan of a team in the NFC West, I'm like. Come on, at least cripple them. At least take their first-round draft picks. Don't just give them Hopkins. Now I have to deal with Hopkins and Fitzgerald roasting us twice this season. And don't forget Christian Kirk as well. Yes, yes. I mean, in the Cardinals' offense, their air raid offense, actually Mm -hmm. were one of the few offenses that had success against the 49ers this season, and that's not going to change. Kenyon Drake had a really good second half of the season once he got traded there as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, well, I, I, I mean, think the, we all can agree this is great news for the Cardinals. It's oh, like absolutely! Amazing I mean, this them. is great for Kyler Murray, great for Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, <laughs> to be able to get him for absolutely nothing, and and you know what? I I read that uh, Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins are kind of they weren't always on the same page about things. So you know what? If you're gonna trade Hopkins, fine, but at least get a first round pick for him. At least get something of value. Texans fans are just walking away like, what did we just do? I don't care how deep this wide receiver class is. Your 40th overall pick is not just going to suddenly come in and be just as good as DeAndre Hopkins. And David Johnson, the, like when I heard that David Johnson was potentially in being traded to the Texans, I was like, okay, so either the Cardinals are going to have to keep most of his salary to get anything of substance, or they're going to have to give up like a third-round pick just to get rid of him. And th- they didn't even do that. It's basically... It was Johnson in a second for Hopkins, and they swapped fourth-round picks. 
It just makes zero sense to me uh, how this trade I'm gonna, came together. I'm gonna so steal this joke from I don't I don't know what player said it, but someone said that they should allow GMs t- and coaches to get drug tested now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after, after what happened, <laughs> yeah. I'm I approve. I saw that as well. I couldn't remember the player. Yeah, people either, were like but... doing the exact same trade in Madden 20, and it wasn't even halfway at the interest level required yeah. for the trade to go through. <laughs> totally shot down. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, the Texans, they still have Deshaun Watson. They they added Randall Cobb to oh boy. the team with uh, Kenny Stills and Will Fuller. Well, I, I mean, I saw other people making facetious trade offers to the Texans. They were saying, like, mm-hmm. like do you think... Like, 49ers offer C.J. Beathard for Deshaun Watson straight up. Who says no? You know? like yeah. Well, <laughs> everyone's saying Ryan Pace might as well call him about, you know, Mitchell Trubisky for Watson. Yes, that's another, up. that's that an even better one. Real popular Like, one. it's, I hope they can free my man. I love watching Deshaun Watson play football, and I don't know if we're going to get the best of him with Bill O'Brien actively and, and maliciously um, getting in Deshaun Watson's way. So I don't know. I, at some point, I, I don't know why Houston would ever let go of Deshaun Watson, but I also don't know why they'd ever let go of Hopkins. So hopefully mm-hmm. they can free my man and send him to a team that will actually try to like help him win. Yep. So, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how uh, Houston can go from here. It's, it's hard to imagine that they'll be better this year, but let's stay in the state of Texas and talk about a team who rightfully kept one of the best receivers in the league, and that is the Dallas Cowboys with Amari Cooper. They shelled out for him. Five years, $100 million. But uh, we saw how good that connection was with Dak Prescott, how much Amari Cooper transformed that offense in 2018, taking them to the playoffs. You know, Last year, of course, 8-8 eight and eight wasn't good enough to cut it, but uh, certainly a guy that Dallas didn't want to lose, and he clearly didn't want to leave Dallas. So, Brian, your favorite receiver is uh is he the highest paid receiver in the league now? That's a Actually, good question. I, I, at a hundred million, I don't Michael, know that I've heard that. Michael from Thomas a at one point was. I don't know what his contract is at the top of my head though. Yeah, but I mean, we can talk about Amari Cooper from now. Regardless, this is certainly one of the highest paid. Yeah, I'm, and I'm a huge fan of the of the move. Of course, being a big Amari Cooper fan, being my favorite wide receiver. I well, one part part of me is sad because I I wanted him to go to the Patriots, but. That was probably a long shot, but big move for the Cowboys for sure. Like you said, he transformed their team in 2018 and certainly helped them last year, even though they didn't make the playoffs. He's one of the he was one of the probably one of the few bright spots from a underachieving Cowboys team last season. Uh, so I'm for the move, even though it is a lot of money. I'm for it. Yeah, I mean, especially when you think about the origins of Amari Cooper to the Cowboys, they traded a first round draft pick and a lot of people said that that was bad. Um, And then he came through for them. Um, I don't see why you would look a a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, $100,000, sorry, $100,000, that'd be an amazing deal. $100 million is a lot of money at wide receiver. And, And to tell you the truth, I'm not an expert on how, uh, you know, the Cowboys are organizing their books, but if they can afford him, then I don't see any reason why they wouldn't want to have him. He uh, has been nothing but amazing for them, and it looks like he's going to be continuing that from for a long time. 
I mean, the Cowboys, so the, the salary cap is $198 million. It feels like the Cowboys have about 180 of that invested across like eight different players. Uh, but but it, the cap's they're going somehow up, isn't able it? To, it is. But like they, they've signed all these guys to huge deals. It, it seems remarkable that Amari Cooper, they still had all his money for him as well as franchise sagging Dak Prescott. But they're keeping the band together. And I, I think that for that Dallas Cowboys offense, they're going to need to do that. They're going to need to make more moves. They're going to need to do other things to get themselves in better position to win the NFC East, get back to the playoffs, because they certainly had a disappointing 2019 season. But Amari Cooper was not necessarily a big part of that disappointment. Um, so I, I, keeping him there, I think that's that's huge for this Dallas team. Couldn't agree so. more. Yeah. All right. Um, now let's going to move away from the the receivers talk about some other notable deals so one trade affecting ben's team the 49ers send defensive tackle to forrest buckner to the colts get back the 13th overall pick indian term hands him a 21 million dollar per year deal making him the second highest paid defensive tackle behind us aaron donald and ben i know this is kind of a, a tough one for you uh, even though the, the 49ers did re-sign eric armstead uh, losing one of the key pieces at defensive line isn't easy oh yeah and if you want to just compare them side by side I know Eric Armstead had a great season last year but it's not even close DeForest Buckner is a much better football player than Eric Armstead much more versatile and honestly could have been one of the major keys to our defensive line last season I'm interested do you guys think he deserves second highest interior defensive lineman pay like do you think that he is the best interior lineman except for Aaron Donald I would have to like think a lot. It's hard to more know. It's this. hard to know, yeah, honestly. It and is. I, and I, uh-huh. I feel like DeForest Buckner doesn't get the kind of respect he deserves from people who aren't 49ers fans because he seems to disappear behind the Nick Bosa's, the D4's, the Eric Armstead's. Um, they all benefited, those three names all benefited from DeForest Buckner because DeForest Buckner is an absolute force on this D-line. And many offensive lines were like, well, we're not going to get anything done unless we double Buckner. That's step one. Then we have to try to address the rest of this defensive line. And obviously, you you couldn't really stop the D-line the 49ers had last season, but a lot of it hinged on the disruptive play of Buckner giving the rest of that line opportunities. So... It is really hard to say goodbye to him because maybe some of these other stars we have regress a little bit more without his presence on the line, even if he's not showing up. Buckner isn't showing up in the box stats every single week like Nick Bosa is, you you know, like Eric Armstead. Would you rather have Buckner or Armstead between the two? Oh, Buckner all day. Okay. But it's not that simple. But it is not that simple because DeForest Buckner was going to get paid big money. You know, we were going to have to pay him that huge amount. And it's not necessarily something that we could have done and accomplished all of our goals. We also like Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead had his best season to date this last season. But before that, a lot of people looked at him as a bust. In fact, a lot of the way that he like spoke out on social media this season was kind of like, oh, so you like me now, kind of you know, uh, his, his attitude was that 49ers fans did not respect him. And to be fair, he didn't give a whole lot to respect before this season. But once he was surrounded by a lot more talent, he was able to show his stuff. And what you would like to think is that Eric Arnstead will continue to improve and get better as, as he progresses. 
But you have to also expect DeForest Buckner to do that. The the Colts will get the best years of DeForest Buckner, barring some sort of injury. These this is gonna be his prime years. He's twenty five, I believe. He's gonna get his the the last uh, of his twenties, and I think that's amazing for them. I expect nothing but excellence for the Colts uh, from DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead, on the other hand, is more of a question mark. That being said, the 49ers are looking for value. They're looking to reload. The 49ers are looking to try to get to grow the value they already have on a talented team. And by trading away DeForest Buckner, they acquire an, uh, the 13th overall pick, which again is good, but I, 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 I like Buckner more than that. I feel like if he was a more recognizable name or maybe if the 49ers had just asked for more, they could have gotten more. He was the seventh overall draft pick uh, four years ago. And he outplayed that kind of uh, draft profile. He's better than a seventh overall draft pick, I believe. And to only get the 13th back, I feel like you could have gotten more than just the, 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 the first round draft pick. You know, would you rather could have would you rather have them use the thirteenth overall pick on hopefully another great linebacker? Well, um, I mean, there's a lot of ways we could go with the thirteenth pick. Um, like Joe Staley's not going to be playing football forever, and it would be great to grab like a really good left tackle. Um, I mean, a wide receiver is what most 49ers fans are asking for. But but just to finish this on Buckner. This is an opportunity for us to turn Buckner's value into more value, right? We have Armstead for uh, for a long time now. We've got Bosa, who's still playing on a rookie contract. And we can potentially add value to this team and maybe reload and go for another Super Bowl run. You know, having Buckner for the long haul, the long haul would be nice as a Niners fan. That's a great story. A guy who has always gone out there, put his hard hat on and done the hard work for 49ers teams, especially the terrible 49ers teams. DeForest Buckner used to be basically the only good thing we had on defense. And and now um, he's going to be going somewhere else. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking, but also you can't feel sorry for a guy who's getting paid 21 million a year. Um, You know, good for him. He gets to live. Maybe he doesn't get to live in San Francisco anymore, but um, you know that's great for him. But I, I guess what I want to say is this: I like this move. I think it has the potential to pay off big time, but it's not without risk. If Eric Armstead regresses, and if that thirteenth pick doesn't pay off, this is a gigantic loss, and it could potentially be a huge misstep for the. You 49ers. could you could trade the thirteenth pick and just load up on <laughs> okay, load so up yeah, on picks, a- and hopefully you cash in on someone in the second or third round. On that is definitely worth bringing up. John Lynch has done a great job of drafting for the 49ers, and the 49ers currently have the 31st pick. Like before this trade, the 49ers had the 31st pick, and then they weren't drafting again until day three. So, if you want to, yeah, if you, you know, turning DeForest Buckner into more value, more draft capital, this is a good way to do that. Yeah, my my expectation would be that the 49ers be more willing to part with a 31st pick than the 13th, mm-hmm. but even that could turn into maybe a second and a third, two thirds, however they come up with it, uh, which that could have some value in there. Uh, but just real quickly from the Colts perspective, I thought it was immediately interesting when I found out about this because the Colts are a team that they could have very much been looking at a quarterback with that 13th overall pick in one way or another now they won't be picking until the second round so i don't know what quarterbacks will be around at that standpoint uh in the draft but i do think that having a guy like buckner come in just you know adding more talent to that defense it's, it's a strong team and 
it felt like at times they were really just a quarterback away. We'll see if Phillip Rivers is that guy this year compared to what Joby, Jacoby Brissett was not. Uh, but this absolutely is a great move for the Colts, at least in the long term, if not immediately in 2020, pays off. Um, so I, I, I do think it's, it is a big, big win from their perspective. Oh, definitely. So. I mean, good on them for going and getting their guy. He, he's going to be him and Darius Leonard are going to hold things down in that D line or on that defense for a long time to come. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, so there are a few teams that have been particularly active. So let's start off with the Browns. We already talked about them adding Case Keenum, uh, someone who potentially lights a fire under Baker Mayfield. On the flip side, the Browns also went out and made Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end in the NFL. And they signed Jack Conklin, who they're hoping will improve what was a very bad offensive line last year. So to me, this still kind of feels a lot like last year, you know, maybe not making as many splashy moves, but it's like the Browns super busy in the offseason. They're making all these deals like we'll wait and see. I have the the can do at this point that. Okay, great. They have all this talent. I mean, well, can they keep their heads on straight and not think that they're already going to win the Super Bowl before the season even starts? They just they need to be a better coach Mm -hmm. team more than anything. They need more better leadership because they already have the talent. I mean, I guess the Austin Hooper deal helps them a little bit, given that Najoku was out, I think, week one or two of last season. So they didn't really have a. Yeah, he missed most of the season. He he was on. Yeah, so they didn't even have any sort of tight end for a big chunk of last season. So I think it helps a little bit in that aspect. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the Browns do with David Njoku. I think a lot of people immediately thought, oh, Njoku is going to be available in trade now. But Kevin Savansky uh, used Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. in Minnesota pretty well last year. That was a situation where a lot of people expected Rudolph to be on the move. Um, so I don't necessarily think that spells the end of Njoku. So you know, one thing I did read from uh, Pro Football Focus, so they just kind of believe that Austin Hooper was more of a product of the offense he was playing in, the positions that uh, the Falcons put him in to succeed as opposed to just his talent himself. So I'm interested to see how Stefanski and the Browns uh, use him. Obviously, they paid him a lot of money, so he needs to continue to perform at a high level. Um, and then in terms of Conklin, they, they need to fix their offensive line. So that that's one piece is important. I think using their high draft pick on a, a left tackle is probably the next big step, kind of shore up those outsides for Baker Mayfield or even Case Keenum. Uh, but <laughs> I, 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 we'll see. I mean, it's one of those things like you can kind of say is – is the Browns, is this just another case of the Browns being bigger winners in the offseason than the actual season? Or as uh, you know, the regime that was in place, you get a new one in, Andrew Barry making a lot of great moves and uh, potentially turning this Cleveland team around for the first time since they went back to Cleveland. I mean, it's definitely so. better than making clearly horrible moves. So mm-hmm. like, no, yeah, you'd rather absolutely. be like winning the off season than like very clearly losing it. But again, especially with the Browns, I'll believe it when I'll, when I see it. Yeah. So we'll see for them. Another team that's kind of making me wonder, we'll see is a team that everybody thought was going to be atrocious last year. Wound up 
doing a little better than expected uh, between the, the players buying into their coaches. That's the Miami Dolphins. And they went 5-11 and in a season where a lot of people thought they could reasonably go 0-16. They won five of their last nine games to get to that point. And they have been the busiest team of the offseason to this point. They made a lot of high-profile moves. So Byron Jones becomes the highest-paid cornerback in the league. They also brought in Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson from division rivals New England and Buffalo. And they added Manuel Agba from the Kansas City Chiefs. And even on the offense, they they brought in Eric Flowers, who disappointing to start his career when he made the move to guard with the Washington Redskins. It, he's improved a little. And they also uh, brought in running back Jordan Howard. So getting a, a younger veteran uh, into that, that Miami offense. And I'm a little hesitant because on the one hand, I feel like the Dolphins are making a lot of strong moves that can make them in great positions sooner than later. But on the other, Miami is one of those teams that was always a staple of how not to build an NFL franchise. And that's via free agent contracts. Like, yeah, this. yeah, I agree. Like it's, it's very rare that you see a, a really talented team that's totally purchased. Like it's, it's tough to go out and just buy a bunch of guys and bring them all and have them all work out. Um, that being said, there's not, none of these jump out to me as like clearly bad choices. Like I, I like the idea of getting, giving Jordan Howard, way more opportunities than he's seen ever since he left Chicago. I'm like, what happened to this guy? His reputation, uh, just has totally changed at least with the Eagles. And I hope that he gets a little bit more of a opportunity to show what he's got. Cause he's a great running back. Um, but again, yeah, like I said, like, I, it's tough to purchase a good team. Uh, so we'll just have to see which one of these guys actually are worth the money. I think one thing that helps is that, in those years when they had those bad contracts, their head coach was also Joe Philbin, who was a disaster. But now they have Brian Flores, who who was previously with the Patriots for a long time, and I, I'm I'm high on him as a coach. Uh, and he's also he also gets to connect back with Kyle Van Noy, who he coached with the Patriots for a number of years as well. And the Dolphins, they were the worst team for what the first four or five games of the season they ended what five and eleven so they they showed mm-hmm. and, and then they beat the patriots in foxborough in week 17 so they they, sh- they show though that they can put in the effort because they're a pretty well coached team and now that they have more talent on the defensive end for a defensive minded head coach the dolphins could actually it, it could pay off for them I, I don't know if i don't know if they're going to be like playoff contenders but i think they could be uh half decent seven and nine eight and eight team maybe especially with how the yeah. Patriots are trending down yeah absolutely I think it'll be really interesting to see what Miami can do in 2020 and then beyond that because if you're looking at a team that in, in my opinion the Dolphins will find one way or another to get to a tag of LO as their quarterback so even if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy playing this entire season you give to a a phenomenal defense potentially adding in Byron Jones, Byron Jones and Xavier and Howard as your two cornerbacks. Those could be the number one, one, two punch in all of football. You know, Kyle Van Noy, like you said, he's a schematic fit. He knows uh, Brian Flora as well. Shaq Lawson. He was really good with Buffalo. Emmanuel Agba is a guy who I kind of feel like has gone under the radar, uh, but he's someone who you're adding a nice veteran presence to a very young team. And then we'll see how Flowers can continue to do. We'll see about Jordan Howard. But I think those defensive signings are really 
big for this team. And uh, if they can nail their draft picks, they have a lot of them. I one, think that Miami could be a contender sooner than one later. One position that they really should upgrade is receiver because Devontae Parker definitely broke out at the end of last season. But after him, it's kind of just, uh, I don't know, a bunch of nobodies. So. Well, they had I, Preston Wilson break out as an undrafted rookie. Yes, I do remember hurt. Preston Wilson, and then he got hurt, right. So, or Williams, yeah, I mean, Preston we'll Williams, see. I mean, they, Williams, yeah, Preston Williams. They have Albert Wilson, but I think he's gone if he's not already. Um, yeah, I, mean, I agree. They they certainly have multiple areas that they can improve on, keep adding some young talent to. Uh, but to me, Miami seems like they're they're at least in a better position than they were this time of year. And with Brady leaving the division, now might be the time to like actually become good at football. Literally anyone else in the AFC East, so um, could be the the AFC the is going to be intriguing to watch i actually have especially with seven playoff teams i actually have to google the nfl standings in the afc east now (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we'll see um i think that you know that this knowing the dolphins and how they've mismanaged this team for the last i don't know the early days of dan marino uh, I'll have to actually see it on the field before I totally buy into it. The same case with the Browns, but there's certainly reason to be hopeful about Miami um, if you are a Dolphins fan. So just a, a few more signings I think worth talking about. Bears shell out for Robert Quinn. Eagles shell out for Javon Hargrave, former Steelers nose tackle. Giants make a few big defensive moves like James Bradbury and Blake Martinez. Uh, I think that all three of those kind of jump out to me. Um, in terms of those teams, because the Bears' defense, that's not the problem. <laughs> their, be- their defense is so good, and they made a big-time move getting Robert Quinn coming off a great season in Dallas to get even better. But um, didn't they just lose Leonard Floyd? I'm pretty sure they let him walk. Yeah, they released Leonard Floyd basically like at the same time. So um, he's someone who didn't necessarily work out for them as a first-round pick. But I, I in that case, you're basically replacing him with a guy like Quinn who – Five years, $70 million, but only 30 guaranteed. Uh, but it, I think that they're getting a guy who has uh, shown a lot of uh, reasons to be happy about him throughout uh, his career, especially this past season. Well, the ones that jump out to me in that are um, James Bradbury and Blake Martinez. Uh, I will admit I've only seen Blake Martinez really, I've only really watched, like paid attention to him against the 49ers and... He looked like a cheeky scrub lord to me. Uh, And also James Bradbury. I have never thought of him as a big money cornerback. I was really surprised to see him get paid uh, this offseason. I wasn't as surprised once I realized it was for the Giants. But am I alone in the way that I feel about these guys? That I I feel like they're a little bit overpaid? No, I think... No, I I agree. It looks like the Dolphins approach from what we just talked about, the several years ago where yeah they look like two overpaid players where for a Giants team that's really not that great yeah I agree I think that the Giants had money to spend they had positions of need they spent what they could to get to those Uh, I'm really interested to see what the Giants do when it comes to Javion Clowney because that's definitely been a situation that has been talked about I know Clowney says he wants to go to a contender so the Giants might just totally uh, go off the rails when it comes to paying him to get him to go there. Uh, but it, it does kind of seem like that's what the Giants approach is right now. It's just 
shelling out money for defensive free agents. I got fooled by um, like a fake. I don't remember exactly who it was. Adam Schefter, one of those guys. I got fooled by a fake Twitter account that said Jadavian Clowney to the Giants. I was like, awesome. Yeah. I'm, so, I, I'm so glad I wasn't the only one that got fooled by that. I know. Because well, I, I saw really? that same one Well, because I like, saw oh it like briefly while I was in the middle of something else. So I just bookmarked the tweet, but I also definitely smashed like. And then later I was looking at my bookmarks and I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Because whoever it was <laughs> had changed their account back to being whatever their normal like yeah. account is. And I felt like such a dummy. But I... I do hope to see this man get paid this offseason, and I obviously hope that it's not in the NFC West. What a nightmare it was seeing him on the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him going elsewhere in the NFC West besides Seattle. Uh, but you know, obviously, I never saw him going to Seattle in the first place. No. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of Javon Hargrave, I think that. You know, I'm glad that he got paid. The Steelers weren't going to be able to pay him. It was three years, $39 million. Uh, but it it's kind of surprising that that's the position that the Eagles on their defense decided to pay a ton <laughs> of money for as opposed to the secondary. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fletcher Cox, of course, is a great defensive tackle. That could be a, a really formidable front. But I, I think I read they were like the fourth best run defense in the oh, league. Yeah. So, yeah, Hargrave seems like an... He seems like a kind of player who, yeah, he can be really good for that team, but that money could have maybe been better spent on a different defensive position. So, uh, beyond that, just a few more notes. So the Raiders, they they were expected to make some big moves at linebackers. They did Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. So I think those are two guys who can make a really, really uh, good, uh, formidable duo for that um, Las Vegas defense. And they also added three former Cowboys, uh, so defensive tackle Mike Collins and safety Jason Heath, as well as tight end Jason Witten. So Gruden plus Witten, we are looking at the uh, the, the, the Monday the night Monday football night countdown crew. On the... <laughs> so I I'm I'm a little uh, I mean beyond just like Witten and like the the Monday night football connection with Gruden, it is kind of intriguing for them to bring in a guy like him uh, with. Foster Moreau and Darren Waller both developing into really solid tight ends. You know, I guess the idea is adding a veteran presence, but I wouldn't think that Raiders fans would want Jason Witten to take playing time away from those two young guys. So we'll see how those moves work out for Vegas. But you know, it seems like you know while while Amari Cooper is staying in Dallas, there's uh, plenty of other Cowboys who wanted to to take their talents to the sin city this year well um breaking news on like live on the podcast uh, apparently sean lee has signed a one-year deal with the cowboys yes i did see that he would be remaining in dallas uh someone who it feels like he's just constantly coming back yeah, for he'll, one he'll year be, deals every year he, sean lee is going to be questionable for every single regular season game next season like he has in his entire career he's always been injured sean lee is not I don't know. I, I would love to see him kind of have that kind of turnaround because he was so great at times, but those injuries have, have always kind of held him back, and yep. it's hard to envision that being a big, big signing uh, for Dallas this year. So you know, real quickly, two teams uh, I still want to talk about. So the Jaguars, uh, they 
they've just totally changed that defense in 2017 that took him to the AFC Championship game. That feels like so long ago. A.J. Bouye traded to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. A lot of people thought that was low for him. And then they went ahead and sent Calais Campbell to the Ravens for a fifth. I, I don't understand uh, what those those moves were with the Jaguars. But then they went ahead and signed Joe Schobert, linebacker from the Browns, and Darkwes Dennard, cornerback from the Bengals. So... I, I don't really know what, what Jacksonville is doing at this point, whether they're trying to go on a full-on rebuild or what, but uh, it's it's definitely kind of crazy looking back on how good Jacksonville was and how horribly and how quickly they've fallen off in just a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we all know um, that Jacksonville doesn't really know how to run a football program, and this is just a continuation of that. I'm happy for A.J. Boye and Clayus Campbell for getting out of there. Um, especially because Clay's Campbell is joining a Ravens team that is looking like they yeah. can be very dominant. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. even AJ Boye, um, you know, as it, like, I still think he's really good. I think a fourth is definitely undervaluing him. And, uh, you know, now he doesn't have to play in Jacksonville. <laughs> the, the Jags just three years ago had, yeah, AJ Boye, Clay's Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, Malik Jackson, their defense was loaded that one year and they almost made the Super Bowl that year. And who yep. knows if if they beat the Patriots? Who knows how that game versus the Eagles would have gone? And now that the, now they don't even have any of them, and they're in rebuild mode again. Yeah, Yannick and Gokwe's franchise tag, but it sounds like he wants to be traded, and that could easily happen. So yeah, that the entire Jaguars defense is just gone within a couple of years. So last team, Cincinnati Bengals. Rarely do they engage in free agency, but. Uh, today, they went out and signed DJ Reader to a four-year $51 million deal and Trey Wayans to a three-year $42 million deal. So that's two big money signings for a Cincinnati team that has a number one overall pick in the draft. And of course, the resumptive thought is they're going to draft Joe Burrow, but something that has commonly been discussed is the possibility that Joe Burrow just doesn't want to play for Cincinnati just because of how badly run of an organization they are so by willing to pay money for those two guys potentially others I think that does kind of show that the Bengals are committed to maybe trying and uh, selling Joe Burrow on this team so those that's really why those two signings stand out to me the Trey Waits one feels a little overpaid there are t- there are games where I agree he's, with that there are games where he feels like a lockdown guy and then there are a lot of games where he's just abysmal as a corner I very inconsistent uh defensive back with minnesota now so i don't i don't know how i feel about that move to be honest yeah i think dj reader was really solid with houston i think that's a good signing for cincinnati yeah i agree with that and i i think it's it's just more talent that houston is hemorrhaging uh it's just Mm -hmm. tough yeah as if you're a Houston fan, you hate to see it. Not a great time to be a Houston sports fan. Just not point yep. that out. <laughs> how bad the Texans yeah. are and how much the Astros cheated. Yeah, I mean, even the Rockets have barely been better than the Thunder this year after acquiring Russell Westbrook. So uh, definitely not the, the ideal time to be a Houston sports fan. Not at all. So there will there will be more free signings. You know, next time we're on, we'll still probably have more things to catch up on and discuss. Uh, But for now, let's move on to our top five. 
And, you know, as we discussed in the beginning of the show, the coronavirus is taking sports away from us. We may have NFL free agency news right now, but that will be gone sooner than later as the offseason continues. So uh, in honor of, you know, the, the coronavirus fears canceling or postponing, you know, rescheduling all these major sporting events and leagues, let's count down topics that we can discuss instead of sports for the time being in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So normally when it's the three of us, we'll have each of us kind of give our list together. Uh, But we're going to go back to the old original roots of the top five and go back and forth. So Ben, why don't you start us off with your number five? All right. Well, my number five is the most obvious thing you could talk about while there's no sports because of coronavirus, which is coronavirus. It's crazy. We are, I saw a tweet, it was like, it's crazy that we're living through like a chapter in a textbook, <laughs> like a history textbook. Yeah. <laughs> like this is crazy what's going on right now. And it's unlike anything I've ever been through that, you know, any of us have ever been through. Um, and I, and talking about that is definitely something I'm going to be doing. Um, so, and I've basically just been consuming as much coronavirus like media as I can, trying to be informed trying to figure out what's going on, trying to decide what the best thing for me to do is. Um, and yeah, that's definitely my number five. Only my number five because it's so obvious. For my number five, uh, I also have coronavirus. as, But instead of talking about the coronavirus and how negative, uh, all the negative media that's been brought up the past week or so, uh, it's been a really depressing time for me personally, especially since it's taken away basically every sport on earth. Uh, for number, my number five, I I put post-coronavirus resolutions. So when this all dies down, maybe we can talk about what we can do personally or as a society better from this coronavirus outbreak and what we can do, whether that's goals we want to reach in life or... Just simple ones like washing your hands uh, every every single chance you get. You know, that sounds like a very, very constructive conversation we can have. And, you know, ideally down the road, um, collectively as a, as a society, whether it's just Americans or the whole world, we can come together, look back and say, he's done it <laughs> when it comes to solving the coronavirus issue. <laughs> So the biggest reason why we decided to do this in this order is because my number five is also about coronavirus, but uh, you know, kind of taking the approach to Brian, not necessarily just talking about the coronavirus in general, but one thing that the coronavirus has definitely bred is a lot of hot takes. A lot of people feel like they have information. They know what they're talking about and just kind of making fun of these people. So in particular, one that actually came out today that really inspired me to put this was uh so vanessa hudgens uh, the star of high school musical disney channel she is 31 years old uh if you listen to her post uh that her like video about it you would probably not believe that if you don't know who she is but she said that uh she is upset that coachella is being canceled and that yeah people are gonna die but death is inevitable so who cares let's let this coachella music festival still go on Right? Oh like, my god. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't know so, this till now. So it's cringe inducing. I'm, I'm having that reaction. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's uh, she's getting a lot of heat. She's 31 was trending on Twitter. Um, it, it was the top trend I was seeing, and that's all people being like, "Yeah, this she's 31. Like, why is why is she saying this of all of all people? It just kind of tells you just how how ignorant a lot of people are when it comes to this virus. Coachella so, may be the single be worst thing that could happen with what's going on right now. Like, how many people? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like hundreds of thousands of people show up show up at Coachella. Yeah, so hopefully that those hot takes die down sooner than later, but I have a feeling that won't happen. Um, okay, well, m- moving on to number four. Um, I'm I'm putting number four as politics. Uh, it is an election year. It's, uh, you know, it's your time to have your voice heard. Um, and while coronavirus is kind of messing up the whole process, I, I still haven't um, listened to the news yet, like, about the elections that took place today, but from the early reportings, it was absolute chaos. Like there were voting locations that were totally empty. Like voters showed up and the people who were supposed to be working there were like, no, I'm not doing this. This is like getting coronavirus for sure. So that's besides the point. The fact is there is an election in November and now is the time to get informed so that when it comes, you know, should we be able to vote by then, um, that you can show up and, and have your, you know, experience, do your civic duty and have your vote um you know count so i'm not telling you to vote for just you know do your research participate it's uh like i said it's your civic duty and it is an important election year if we became the he's done it a mostly politics podcast you guys would probably need to find another co-host (laughs) because i I don't, know. I don't know squat. Well, here's the thing. politics, Brian. I mean, it's like we said. There's no sports time. It, you have an opportunity here yeah. to maybe get a little bit more informed. Yeah, yeah. I watched that debate this past Sunday, and that was a microcosm of everything I hate about the world today. Without sports, I <laughs> absolutely hate politics. Uh, it, it's just, it's just each each candidate is just talking about why this guy next to me sucks and he shouldn't be president. They, it's just. <laughs> they, they don't talk about why they should be the best guy they constantly go about like why the other guy sucks and what they lied about especially joe biden he lies about everything he might be a worse liar than pinocchio wow <laughs> See, hey man hot I takes hot you're takes pretty, politics you're hot already takes. going into yeah, you're getting pretty political yeah. right here brian you're pretty, uh yeah that's the this. most political i'll get <laughs> what have you got All for right. number four my number four is we can talk about music i know Corey brought up one time I think it, I think it was his question when we did a five question segment, like what music have we been listening to recently, and uh, I think that'd be a good topic to talk about, like what kind of music we've been listening to or what we've always been into. Two songs that I've been listening to constantly for the past few days, given what's been happening uh, with the coronavirus, is one, it's the end of the world as we know it. By REM, yeah, nice. Fitting. And then the other song, Corey, you're probably going to bleep this out later, but uh, "Life's a Bitch" by Nas. If you've ever heard of that song, have you guys ever heard of that one? <laughs> uh, is it from Illmatic? Uh, I, yeah, Nas and Hold On. I think I think so. Yeah. Because if it is, then I have heard it. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to sing the lyrics right now because it's pretty bad this is the next next part and then you die yeah life's a bitch and then you okay. die yeah. that's probably all i know yes yes yeah. yes this is a good song yeah those are the two songs i've been listening to 
recently and i get it's i think music is a fun topic we could talk about yeah no i've I've also had a coronavirus inspired song that i've been listening to a lot it's called if the world was ending by jp Sachs and julia michaels um and yeah it's definitely got those end of the world like vibes going on so it's been very fitting my number four um conspiracy theories so I've never been like a, a huge believer in conspiracy theories, but I've always found them super interesting. Uh, just like the, some of the things that people believe in. And I feel like that would be kind of a fun, fun topic to unwind on this uh, you know, show at times. I know that I've, I've suggested a top five conspiracy theories before. It's never been entertained by you guys. So we'll see if this ever actually becomes a thing. Uh, but one thing that did inspire it. So, do either of you guys play the game Resident Evil? Uh, have you played any of those? No. No. Nope. No. Okay. So, how familiar are you with the game? Um, have you heard of the Umbrella Corporation? No. Okay. Yeah. I guess nope. you'd probably have to play. I I read about this, but basically, the Umbrella Corporation is uh, some like virus location, uh, or like they they do a bunch of like scientific testing, and the idea was that they accidentally released a virus into the world that started a zombie apocalypse and there is an organization in shanghai china with a very 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 similar logo basically the same shape but different colors Uh, and there's they're also like a a like biotech type um, lab company and one of the names i don't know if it's the name of it or like the in like their tagline but it actually is like mandarin for umbrella uh, so there's like this whole thing like, oh, this is just Resident Evil in real life. They released a coronavirus and this is like turning into a zombie apocalypse. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And just like trying to delve into similar conspiracy theories like that sounds like fun. Oh, yeah. Well, conspiracy theories are definitely all the rage these days. So absolutely. It feels like a perfect time to talk about them. Um, okay. So moving forward to my number three. And this one's very simple. Memes, man. You don't have anything else to talk about? You've got the Internet. At your hands. You're, if you're trapped in your home and your apartment for the next few days, could be weeks, this is what the internet was made for. There's never been a there's never been a better time to be stuck in your apartment with internet access. Okay. There's unlimited internet culture for you to dive right into. And I'll be honest, a lot of the people that I interact with on a day-to-day basis are not very online. They miss a lot of my cultural references that are from the internet. And I think it's time for them to catch up. So if you don't have, if you're listening to a podcast, you're probably relatively online. But if you're not, take take advantage. Get on Twitter. Get on Reddit. Get on whatever, 9gag, whatever online stuff. Find your internet community and just dive into the memes, baby. So that's why it's my number three. Uh, my number three is I put down celebrity gossip, which is probably not the greatest topic but if we can't talk about the athletes as much the sports celebrities we could talk about a lot of the other celebrities singers or actors and or, what their you stories know, celebrities are right now that Especially, say oh, stupid things about coronavirus yeah <laughs> we, just, we just talked about it with <laughs> vanessa hutchins and i'm sure there are other actors actresses singers out there that have said really stupid stuff as well about the virus so i think i think that'd be a fun topic to bring up you know i i thought about 
putting celebrity gossip in my top five as well. But I thought about it. I was like, how much celebrity gossip is there right now when everyone's supposed to be social distancing and, you know, keeping to themselves during the coronavirus? Like, is, is the prop paparazzi exempt to that? <laughs> is that something that's just going to go away? Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, kind of curious to see how much there actually is to discuss. And ideally there won't be a whole lot, but you know, obviously if the, the celebrities are still doing their thing, we can certainly talk more pop culture than uh, anything else. So my number three, uh, Wikipedia history lessons. So I know uh, in the past, I think we called it WikiLeaks. Uh, we have done some uh, readings into Wikipedia articles. I think our most uh, probably famous or infamous one was when we uh, talked about Adam Pacman Jones and basically just read through his, I think, arrest section on his wikipedia uh we wouldn't necessarily need to even keep it to just sports figures we could definitely take that time to learn about some other things like maybe the spanish flu i was on kind of learn how spanish flu yeah how that became a thing of course that was a big pandemic uh from 1918 to 1920 and uh you know see what we can learn to try to avoid that happening again with the coronavirus so um, I, I, I love using Wikipedia. I have the app downloaded on my phone. Just go straight through that. Don't even bother going through Google, through you know the internet browser. Um, so Wikipedia has definitely been very informative for me, and I think it would be fun to kind of learn some things and talk about them here. I was aware of the Spanish flu back you know 100 years ago, but I never realized how, how horrible that was. And, and just looking it up, uh, it says that anywhere from around 17 to as high as 50 million people uh, were died from the Spanish flu. So it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm pretty sure it, it killed, killed more people than world war one, which is crazy to think, which of. happened at the same time. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> for my number two, I've got something I've been anticipating for a long time now. And it's so close. It is so close. I cannot wait. Really. I'm just holding out, through all this chaos and coronavirus just so I can make it to Friday because that's when Amazon hopefully will drop on my doorstep the newest Animal Crossing for a Nintendo Switch. And I've been an Animal Crossing fan my whole life. I played it a little bit on GameCube, a whole lot on the DS, and I even had it for the Wii, but the one for the Wii sucked. But this one is going to be epic. So many people are anticipating it. So many people are getting it. And we're all going to be online. And it doesn't matter if we're quarantined. We'll all be able to transport to our um, amazing island communities where we can live out our lives coronavirus-free in the world of Animal Crossing. So I, I can't wait for that. And I'm going to be talking a whole lot about it uh, in while sports aren't happening. I've never actually owned Animal Crossing, so I, I don't know that I'm going to be playing it and be able to talk with you. So I don't know if this will be the best medium for you to talk about Corey, it. Corey, if but... you were going to play Animal Crossing, you would be, you would know. <laughs> There's no guessing. You either love it yeah. already or, you know, you're just not an Animal Crossing fan, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but me and the other Animal Crossing fans are going to finally find some relief amongst this chaos when we're finally back in the Animal Crossing world. All right. For my number two, I went with ESPN Classic. So if we can't do breakdowns and talk about 
present or future sporting events, how about we talk about past games or past events or transactions that have happened in the past in sports? Um, any of the best games? And I, I, something like, I don't know, game sevens of uh, NBA finals or maybe not the most recent one because Corey would not want to talk about LeBron winning, but something like that. Just breakdowns of past games. Uh, past sporting events if we still want to talk about sports yeah I also put ESPN Classic as number two same kind of idea that's really the only way for the most part to talk about sports right now is to talk about sports that already happened versus what's coming up in the future so I mean I do do think it'd be fun to take some time to go back and watch games go back and watch series whatever it is you know talk about big events that happened maybe keep it topical this happened on this day in March or this day in April um, I think it'd be kind of cool to look back and maybe learn a thing or two about something that happened maybe when we were very young, part of our lives, or even before we were born. So, Well, number one on my list to finish this off is an easy one. First thing that went to my mind when I heard that sports weren't going to happen. And this has been a some like a big battle in my life as far as like the content that I consume between sports and... And the number one on my list, which is movies. Um, And I would even lump TV shows into this. But like just me, there are mediums that you can watch that don't have to happen live, that don't have to have a winner, that don't have to be a competition. Um, And they're well worth your time to sit down with, analyze, process, and learn from. Um, And if you're not sure what to watch, I have a suggestion for you, which is to watch any of the movies that are in the robust catalog of Affable Chat, which is the other podcast uh, that I, that's the one I produce. And um, we just uh, did an episode about Parasite, which is an amazing movie, Korean film. You know, you've never, you've never had uh, a pandemic happen to you before. Maybe you've never watched a movie that's totally in Korean. Maybe it's time for another first. Uh, Check out Parasite, which is, again, a fantastic movie. Definitely, it deserves to win Best Picture. I, or, or rather, it is a movie of a quality worthy of winning Best Picture. I haven't seen all the other contenders. And upcoming, we're going to be talking about Rango, which is an animated movie that Johnny Depp voiced a few years back. So it's time for movies, baby. Without sports to distract you, you can let your eyes rest on something else. And my suggestion is that you let it be movies. So yeah, so Rango, that's the one with like the lizard. little, little yeah. like lizard. It's highly, thing. it yeah. comes highly yeah. recommended. I've never seen it, um, but I will before the next episode of Apple Chat. So for my number one, uh, I have it called Laughable Chat. So it's basically the same idea as what Ben <laughs> talked about, where we talk about movies or TV shows, but. For me personally, it I've said before already, it's been a very, very depressing time the past week or so without sports. So uh haven't had a lot of joy given what's happened. So we could talk about movies or shows that make us laugh, that, that have made us laugh. Uh, ones that are just cheer you up or cheer me up at least a bit. Uh, so basically the same idea, but funny movies and shows. So that's my number one. 
All right. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of is a nice segue into my number one as well, which is just in general shows and movies to watch uh, based on our own recommendations, just kind of some of the things that we've watched, some of the, the shows and movies we want to watch. Maybe some listeners can give us some ideas and we can talk about them, maybe even do our own reviews, you know, maybe not as in-depth as Affable Chat does them, but kind of you know, talk about some shows on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime Video or whatever, talk about movies. Um, I think that would be a good way to kind of pass the time because when you're kind of you know, self-quarantined, having to social distance yourself, it's really just you and your screens that uh, become your friends. So I think that that's something that we'll be doing a lot of. Uh, you know, maybe we'll end up watching some things in, on ESPN Classic that can inspire that. But uh, I do think that uh, movies and TV shows will be a pretty popular thing for us. So it makes sense to want to talk about them. So, all right, that concludes our top five. Uh, so those are topics that we've we've suggested that we can discuss. Uh, certainly there's a wide range of things we can talk about right now, basically anything but sports. So if you have any thoughts or opinions, things that you would want to listen to a podcast from us about, definitely let us know. And who knows, when sports comes back, maybe we'll have so much fun with this that we stop being a mostly sports podcast and we become a sports and something else podcast. Uh, so uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunities for us here. As long as it's not politics, Brian. I don't care what the topic is. <laughs> okay. So for Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, I'm Corey Navani. Thanks everyone. <laughs>